on behalf of our priests and staff, I wish all of you a happy and blessed Easter, recalling last year when our gathered assembly in this church for the Easter vigil consisted of our six Dominican sisters and a camera for everyone at home. I am so grateful that you all are here, for he has risen, he has risen indeed. Now, several years ago, a priest friend of mine and I led a Holy Land pilgrimage, and it always comes up the thoughts of which during this most holy of weeks, a great blessing for both of us as we walked in the footsteps of our Lord and King. You know, flying into Tel Aviv was a lesson in comparative religions. Catholics and Protestants, as well as Muslims and Jews, in varying observances. And once we arrived, we discovered various other sects with interesting beliefs. For example, as we journeyed, we came upon a mountainous region populated by a secretive religious sect called the Druze. According to the internet, the Druze are a monotheistic Abrahamic religion that developed in the 11th century. So not just have some staying power, not just a new group that has come on the scene. Originating from Islam, they are influenced by Gnosticism and Greek philosophy. Despite their Islamic origins, the Druze consider themselves sort of like Unitarians, if you will. They see their religion as a continuation of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. They also believe in reincarnation. Their scriptures are secret, even though some of their faithful, with, while interfaith marriages, apostasy, and converts are strictly forbidden. Wow, what a complicated little group. Outside of a few travel journals posted online, I hadn't been able to verify one interesting factoid that was shared by our gregarious tour guide on our trip in the Holy Land, that is, they believe, the Druze, the Messiah will be born to them from a man, not a woman, which seemed to be the most implausible idea to the mothers on our bus. Oh, no, men would never survive childbirth. Not a chance. So according to our guide, Druze men wear baggy pants and hope supposedly that they will catch the Messiah in their pants should he suddenly be born to one of them. Laughter ensued on our bus as this was all explained to us. The definition, I might add, of ugly American. To the point that my friend stood up and said, okay, look, so they're a little odd. But we're the ones who believe that the messianic son of God was born of a virgin, was crucified, placed in a borrowed tomb, and rose from the dead three days later. Outside of faith, does someone care to explain that? And all of a sudden, the whole bus of seasoned Catholics lost that arrogant footing. As Catholics, we speak often and confidently about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We profess it in the creed, and most priests weave it into their homilies. It's a matter of consolation. I speak regularly of the resurrection to the sick, the dying, and the troubled. And if my belief in the resurrection just rolls off my tongue and doesn't confuse me intellectually and amaze me spiritually and subsequently truly change my life, have I reduced it to a pious, odd legend like the Druze baggy pants that await a Messiah? 
In other words, is the resurrection just a generated happy ending to a sad story? Is it a platitude designed to short circuit real discussion of the meaning of suffering and death? Since the beginning, Authentic Christians have wrestled with these questions. Mary Magdalene, for example, on arriving before dawn, found the stone of the entrance of Jesus' tomb rolled back. And her first thought was, someone has sold, st stolen Jesus' body. A rumor that spread throughout the ancient world, conveniently making Jesus of Nazareth, thought to be the Messiah, dismissible. Matthew's gospel tells us that the guards at the entrance to the tomb were paid off to say that someone came by night and stole Jesus' body. John's gospel seeks to dispel that rumor by describing explicitly how the burial cloths were folded up and neatly arranged, hardly the work of grave robbers under duress. John also reported that the beloved disciple peered into the tomb, saw and believed. But he also adds that the disciples themselves did not yet understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And as they look inside the tomb, they begin to believe. But full-fledged faith in Jesus' resurrection and new life would come later. Grave robbery isn't the only explanation for the disciples' belief in the resurrection. According to another theory, the disciples had been so traumatized by Jesus' brutal death that to cope, they devised a delusional story that Jesus was alive after all, having risen from the dead. And as the story goes, they told this consoling tale in order to launch a new religious movement. This Psychological explanation, if you will, sounds plausible to many in our days. Sounds like a Facebook post, frankly. But it doesn't coincide with later historical evidence. For it's hard to imagine that an illiterate, simple Jewish group of Galilean fishermen could cook up this kind of story. Namely, that God became one of us, then died, then rose and returned to heaven in his human body. Further, maybe such a story could have lasted maybe a few years, but a turning point in human history, really? It didn't end the day after the Easter for the disciples either. They structured their lives on a deep pastoral relationship and personal relationship with the risen Lord and his church. The early disciples were relentless, as were many subsequent believers throughout church history. They went to the ends of the known world and to their deaths, declaring Jesus the Messiah and Lord, and that he had been raised from the dead, not in some symbolic way, but truly raised, walking, talking, teaching, forgiving, cooking, and even eating. People touched his body and put their hands in his wounds. In his first letter to the Corinthians, St. Paul makes clear that Christianity rises and falls on the truth of the resurrection. It's not a ruse, a happy ending, or a way of coping. It is the heart of the Christian faith. St. Paul tells us that as Christ is not raised from the dead, we who believe are the most of, most of all to be pitied. 
Which brings us ultimately to two choices. Either we judge Christ according to modern, and I must say cynical standards and experience that Jesus was a brilliant teacher of ethics who was killed because of a political intrigue and that the resurrection was a deception on the part of his early followers, thus the emptying of hope in Christian faith. Or we understand that by his fruit we have come to know him. We know Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, and where he has gone, we hope to follow because our home is with him. Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said that the death of our Lord on the cross reveals that we are meant to be perpetually dissatisfied here below on this earth. If earth were meant to be a paradise, then, he would have, then it would have never had been taken leave of on Good Friday. The fulfillment of life is in heaven, not on earth. The problem that we face today is that too many Christians really don't believe, frankly. The evidence to convict us of Christianity today is often lacking. In our modern sophistication, our belief is like the new Easter clothes that we toss aside on Easter Monday, like ethnic legend, if you will. So our task is to retrieve the passion of the early disciples and so many throughout the centuries who have canvassed the world, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Give the risen Lord a try. Invite him as a guiding force in your life and see how your life changes for the better. Our task is to allow Jesus to transform us into his body in the 21st century as he has done in the last 20 centuries. In a few moments, our catechumens will make their baptismal promises. And then a few minutes later, we will renew our baptismal promises. We will promise anew to reject Satan and his works and to embrace in faith Jesus Christ and his resurrection, something that we do every Easter and throughout the Easter season. And the true significance of our profession of faith is that we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, the one who broke the grip of Satan and sets us free. Is there evidence of our personal faith is their passion every day for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or is it a nice story that brings ham and potatoes and some new clothes each spring? Look around during this Easter week. We would have to be blind not to look at the crippling chaos that we are enduring in our world today and have confidence that we have humbly the answer that springs from the empty tomb. The world needs our apostolic faith more than ever. We must be ready to preach, for he is risen, he has risen indeed.